Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. All right. It was an interesting time uh, by the time we get to Acts chapter 10. By the time Acts chapter 10 comes along in history, the church had grown. The church in Jerusalem had grown to thousands of people. And there was so much going on. And they were Jews being saved. Every, you know, everybody just about that would hear the gospel, the clear message, would be convicted and give their heart and their life to Jesus and, and become a part of the church in Jerusalem. Thousands of people. So much so that they had to ordain deacons just to take care of the benevolence of the church. One of the deacons named Stephen was full of faith and power and working miracles and, and he ended up being so strong and mighty and miraculous that the religious order of the Jews in that day took issue with him because they did not believe that Jesus was Messiah and he did and he kept convincing other people to convert from being a Jew to becoming a Jewish believer in Jesus as Messiah. And that was upsetting the status quo among the religious people in Jerusalem. Well, a group of people from one of the synagogues went and began to argue with him. His name was Stephen. They argued with him and it ended up turning into a brawl and a mob. They drugged Stephen out of the city and they killed him. They stoned him to death. Well, that emboldened. It, it made all of those uh, ultra-religious who were defending the Jewish faith and the law of Moses, it made them all bold. So they began to openly persecute the believers in Jesus. They persecuted them so much, the Bible calls it, a great persecution began at that point. So strong and so terrible was the persecution that Believers in Jesus, these Jews, and by, at, at that time it was only Jews who believed in Jesus. These Jews who believed in Jesus were being so persecuted that the Bible says they were scattered throughout all the land of Judea and Samaria. They went out. They took off running. They left town because they were facing jail. They were facing being beaten, perhaps even executed. So they left Jerusalem. Well, the devil thought that if he would cause this kind of problems, he could stop the church right there in Jerusalem and put a cap on it and nobody else would ever hear about it. He didn't realize that when he scattered those believers in Jesus, it was like broadcasting seed out into Judea and Samaria because everywhere those Jewish believers in Jesus would go, they would tell other people about this Messiah that had come. And other people were getting born again and there were revivals in other cities and, and things were just growing and growing and growing. It was an amazing time. Well, one of the problems was that God's plan was always to include not only Jews, but Gentiles, me and you. Not just Saul. Saul, it wasn't just about you. It was about me too. Saul's a Jew. Okay. It was about every person. 
God wanted to save and include every person in his family. But this was just a foreign thought. Because for all these generations, the Jews were the only chosen people of God. And Gentiles, at best, were outside of the family of God. And most of the time, enemies of the Jews. And so, God wanted to save everybody. But this was foreign. Because all of these Jews that went out and were scattered, these people that believed in Jesus, they were going out preaching Jesus, but they were only preaching to Jews. And they were saying that only Jews can be saved. You have to be born a Jew or convert to become a Jew and be circumcised and keep the law of Moses and clean your life up in order to qualify to get born again and become a, a, not just a believer, but receive Jesus as Messiah. Only a Jew could do it. And so this is what they believed. This is what they taught. And, 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 and uh, you know, this is all they knew. Well, God in Acts chapter 10 is just about to reveal his plan. But in order for God to do anything, just read the whole Bible, you'll see this. When God wants something done, he finds a person that he can depend on to do it. And so God has been looking around and Cornelius is the man that he found. We're going to read a little bit about Cornelius. Cornelius was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was a Roman soldier, a part of the occupation of Israel. The Romans had a port city called Caesarea on the Mediterranean, and this man named Cornelius was the commander of the army at that garrison, and he was in charge of security, most likely, for all of the port city. He had a hundred men under his command in that port city. Why in the world would God choose Cornelius to be the very first Gentile inclusion in the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, we owe Cornelius a debt because had it not been for Cornelius getting born again and filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized in the name of Jesus and accepted into the church, had it not been for that happening to Cornelius, a Gentile, who didn't become a Jew first, but who received salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, water baptism, and church inclusion as a Gentile. Had it not been for him, you and I might not be here. It was an exclusive thing. And I'm not a Jew. I wasn't born a Jew. I never converted to Judaism. And probably you didn't either. You would not be included if the church had stopped right there. So God's working his plan. But in order to work his plan, God has to find somebody to work through. Okay? So here we are in Acts chapter 10. We'll recap for just a moment. Uh, uh, verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what is called the Italian regiment, 
a devout man and one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour, which is three o'clock in the afternoon, about three in the afternoon, Cornelius saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, well, you know, this is as far as we got Wednesday night in this chapter. And we ask ourselves Wednesday night two basic questions. The first question is, why did God choose Cornelius? What made him so special? Why? Because we know that God chooses us and calls us even before we're formed in our mother's belly. The Bible says that God calls us and chooses us. How, how did God, you know, what made God want to choose this man? And number two, we ask ourselves the question, what will make me the person that God will choose and use? How can, how can I be a person that God will use? Well, Wednesday night we concluded with this answer. Everyday ordinary life is the chance God gives us to impress him. Every day, humdrum, day in and day out, boring life, everyday ordinary life is the chance that God gives us to impress him. And if you want God to choose to use you, you will need to be trustworthy and dependable and impress God. That's the way it works. Now, God is going to love you. He will save you. He will forgive you. He will take you to heaven when you die, whether you do anything for him or not. That's the wonderful love of Almighty God through the blood-bought salvation and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. You can get saved and never do anything because salvation is not by works. It's by grace. You don't deserve it. If you do deserve it, you can't have it. You can only have it if you don't deserve it. There's nothing you can do to get it. You can't buy it. You can't beg it. It is a free gift of God. Comes upon all who believe in the name of Jesus and receive him by faith into their heart. That's salvation. God will save you and love you and forgive you. God will take you to heaven when you die, whether you do anything for him or not. But that's not the kind of life that we want to have to where we get born again by the blood of Jesus Christ, saved for eternity, and never do anything for him. You see, Cornelius could have believed in Jesus and received him as Lord and Savior and never done one thing for God. But God knew him better than that. Cornelius, his family, his children, his friends, those people that worked for him, they could have died and went to hell if Cornelius hadn't done something for Jesus. God was looking around for somebody very specific in order to be the pioneer of Gentile inclusion into the church. What was he looking for? Simply put, God was looking for somebody he could depend on. He was looking for somebody he could trust. He was looking for somebody that he knew would do something with a chance that they had. What can we do to show God that we can be trusted? He is evidently watching us. He's evidently taking account 
of how we run our lives and everyday ordinary life is our chance to impress him because God knows and Jesus said it over and over and, and Solomon said it over and over and it, it, it's all throughout the scripture that what you do with what you have is what you will do with more. What you are doing with your current opportunity is exactly what you will do with a greater opportunity. Don't think that money or that the lottery or that, that, that you know, a, a opportunity or another job or, a, or another spouse or, or another location is somehow going to fix you and make you different it won't if you're not doing what you should with what you have and what you can where you are and with the people that you are with then you won't do it if you were with somebody else someplace else engaged in something else that's the truth God knows that and so God was watching Cornelius God was watching what Cornelius did. In fact, the angel told Cornelius that, that, you know, you have been noticed in heaven. God has noticed something about you. You're faithful. You're, you're, you're doing your everyday, ordinary, day in and day out life with a faithful regimen. God knows that he can trust you to do what he wants you to do because he sees you doing what you should do every day in life. Wow. Interesting, huh? Well, the angel told Cornelius, send, send men down to Joppa to find Peter. He is at the house of a tanner right on the ocean and bring him back here. Well, Peter, Peter was not about to go with these Gentiles. It was against the law for him to lodge with and, and consort with and, and hang around. And it, it, it was against all of his religious training and everything that he knew was that salvation was for the Jew and it came through the Jews, for the Jews, by the Jews. And, and now, you know, uh, here are these Gentiles, this Gentile Cornelius is going to send some Gentile people down to a Jew's home to tell another Jew that we want you to come down here and tell us how we can get saved without becoming a Jew. Peter was not about to do that. So while those men are on their way down to Joppa, Cornelius sent some men to Joppa, while they're on their way down there, God's working with Peter. God's working in his heart and in his mind. He gives him a vision and the end result with that is God said, listen, I want you to realize that no man is common and unclean that I have touched. Don't think that there's anybody that I respect. Salvation is for everybody. Well, you know, verse 7 of Acts chapter 10, after the angel told Cornelius to send some men, the Bible says, when the angel who spoke to Cornelius had departed... Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. They were his servants. They waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to these two household servants and his soldier, he sent them to Joppa. Now, we know that there are evident qualities in the life of Cornelius that made God think that Cornelius was a good choice. I can trust this man. I can depend on him. 
He'll do what I ask him to do. So I'm going to choose you, Cornelius. He sends an angel. The angel says, send men to Choppa and, and bring back this man called Peter and he'll tell you what to do. There are qualities in the lives of Cornelius. We know that to be true. But why did Cornelius choose the people he chose to send them down to Joppa? Now here's Cornelius. The most important thing that's ever happened to him, that ever will happen to him in all of his life. The most miraculous thing that has ever happened to him. An angel shows up to him from God in his private prayer room at three in the afternoon. A holy angel and says, I want you to send some men to Joppa and bring this man back. He's going to tell you things that are going to change your life forever I bet you Cornelius picked some people he could depend on to send down there I have a feeling Cornelius didn't look around and just say you 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 I bet he wouldn't have sent a lazy person I bet he wouldn't have sent somebody that's easily distracted I bet he wouldn't have sent somebody that was greedy and selfish and, 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 and a quitter come on now come with me here it was a long way down there, and you might have to, you know, convince this Jew named Peter to come back with you. I mean, come on. Do you think he would choose somebody that, that had low or loose morals to send him? Because, you know, on the way down there, you know, Herzliya is right between uh, Caesarea and, and, and Joppa, and I know where there's a bar right today. They could have been walking down, oh, it's kind of hot and thirsty. Oh, I think I, you know. <laughs> Why did Cornelius choose these men that he chose? Because he knew he could depend on them. He knew he could trust them. He knew that they would follow orders. This was the most important thing in his life. The most important thing for his family. He didn't just choose people who were greedy or arrogant or self-willed or angry or discontent or reactionary or, or people with lower loose morals. He wouldn't choose people like that. And neither would God. Boy, that was my zing right there. <laughs> Now remember, God's going to love you and take you to heaven. Because he's your, he's your father. If you're born again, he's your father. But come on, we're better than this. I want to be used by God. I can't imagine Cornelius choosing somebody that was lazy and wouldn't do their work around the house just because they were a, a maid or a butler. They were his household servants. Just because, you know, this, this, this guy that was in the army, because he wasn't the general, you know, I... I no, Cornelius sent people he could depend on. Most likely, he knew he could depend on them because he's watching them every day. He was watching how they did. He was watching how they cleaned house, watching how they prepared meals. He was watching how they carried out orders and followed instructions. He saw them working. He watched them. He knew them. They were in his everyday life. And he chose people, you know, two household servants and a soldier. And he sent them because he depended on them. It has been said that if you want to get a job done, find a busy person and get them to do it. There's a lot of wisdom in that saying. If you want to, 
you know, get a job done. If you, if, if, if you have something that has to get done, find a busy person and get them to do it. Don't find somebody that's sitting around. There's a reason why a lot of people are sitting around today doing nothing and why some are waiting and wishing that they were somewhere else with somebody else doing something else. Oh, that's good stuff. They're not diligent where they are because they don't like where they are. I'm a maid. I don't like that. I'm a soldier. I, and he just tells me what to do all day long. I, I'm, I'm, I'm an employee. I don't, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, when I get somewhere else or when I get somebody else or when I get to do something else, then I'm going to be faithful. Sorry, but you may not get chosen. You might not get promoted. There are reasons why people are not fully engaged in what they have, where they are, doing the best they can. It's because they're like that, and they will be just like that in the next thing, too. They'll be just like that in their next job, and in their next job, and in their next job. Instead of wishing they were somewhere else with someone else doing something else, heroes of the Bible like Joseph and Moses and David and Rahab and Esther and Ruth and Matthew and Paul and Peter and Cornelius and these two servants and that soldier, they were working hard where they were with what they had for the person that they were working for. And that's what made them a candidate to be chosen. If you aren't willing to take what you have, if we're not willing to take what we have, start where we are and work for the person which we are under, then we will disqualify ourselves for greater opportunities with that person. And if we are not doing the best we can with what God has given us, why would God give us any more? See, Jesus said that what we do with the little opportunities we have is the very thing we will do with, if, if given greater opportunities. And if we're unwilling to be faithful over the things which belong to others, we will also be unfaithful if we were to be given our own. God is not obligated to use people who choose themselves. I put, should have put that in red. He uses who he chooses. What we are doing with what we have is exactly what we will do if we get more. That's the reality. That's the gospel truth. There's a reason why God chose to use Cornelius. Let's look a little bit further into Acts chapter 10. Let's look at these two servants and the soldier as they went down to Joppa and found Peter. Just where the angel told Cornelius that he would be. You know... God already prepared Peter. Acts 10, verse 21. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius, and he said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? Verse 22. Now these two household servants and this soldier who waited on 
Cornelius continually. They were in his presence all the time, night and day, day and night, good days, bad days, disappointments, excitements. This is what they said, and they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear, his, hear words from you. That's why we're here. Wow. Now, bear in mind as we conclude our service this morning, as uh, conclude the message, bear in mind that it is important that we have favor with God. Okay? If we want God to choose us, if we want God to use us, and I do, and I believe you do, then it's important that we find favor with God. God is watching us. God knows what we're doing. God knows what we're doing in, in, in our night times when we're by ourselves, when we're alone, when we're in public. He knows if we are faithful. He knows if he can trust us. He knows what, whether we will do what he says to do. And, and things that he's got for us to do, they're very important. It means life and death, eternal life and death for so many, for God to choose to use us. And if he chooses to use us and we get distracted or detoured or can't be trusted or, you know, uh, do it our way instead of his way, along the way, you know, that, that, that just messes everything up. It's important that God knows that he can trust us. And, and, and everyday life is that opportunity that we have to impress God with what we're going to do with what we have. So, it's important that we have favor with God, but it's also important that we have favor with men. Even Jesus needed this in order to accomplish what God sent him to do. Luke 2, verse 52 says that, that you know, Jesus, you know, I mean, here, here he is the Son of God, that he increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. Jesus, not only did he have, you know, favor with God, not only did God trust Jesus, but men trusted him. Men knew that Jesus was the kind of man whose word was his bond. If he said he would, he would. He wasn't found lazy. He wasn't found out in the bars. He wasn't found out consorting with, with all kinds. You know, he, he, he did go out and help sinners, but any time he left somebody, he left them better than he found them. And men knew they could trust Jesus. If Jesus said something, he would do it. He was busy about his father's business. God trusted Jesus, and so did people. Like I said, everyday ordinary life is the chance God gives us to impress him. And if you want to know what somebody is really like, listen to the people hanging around them all the time. In Cornelius' case, listen to their maid. Listen to the butler. Listen to the employee, the close friend, the close family member. Listen to somebody that's around them all the time, that knows them, that, that, that's seen them when nobody else is around, that knows what they're doing. If you want to know how somebody really is, you know, listen to the people that really know them, that see them when they're by themselves. Because who you are when you are by yourself is who you are. God knows it. You know it. And other people do too. You know, evidently, these servants that were with Cornelius 
all the time and, and this close military attache, evidently they really respected Cornelius. Not because of his wealth, his wisdom, his stature, his position, or his military tactics, but because of his character. Because that's what they referred to. Here are four things about Cornelius that impressed God and man. And these are the reasons why God chose Cornelius. And they're the same reasons why God will choose you to use you. Now, you can just live your life, enjoy your life, and never impact anybody else, you know. Not your family, not your friends. Nobody else might want to be, a, you know, a, a, a Christian if it means that they're going to end up just like you. Hello? You heard about this man that was witnessing to another guy at work. He was witnessing to him, went to him, and, 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 and the guy wouldn't go to church with him, and he, and he wouldn't accept Jesus. And, and, you know, it was just frustrating, this man that was witness to him. And, you know, he was, you know, just, you know, of course, he wasn't living his witness, but he was witnessing. He was telling, man, you ought to change, you ought to change, you ought to change. And he, and he kept on being aggravating, and aggravating. And finally, the man screamed at him, don't you even care if you go to heaven? Don't you want to go to heaven? He said, not if it's with a bunch of people like you, I don't. We need favor with God and man. Four things about Cornelius that impressed God and men. This is what his servants said and the soldiers said. When Peter said, why are you here? They said, well, Cornelius, the centurion, he's a just man. We're here because Cornelius is a just man. What does that mean? That means Cornelius is right. He is right and he's righteous. He's honest and he's true. He's just. He won't make his decision based upon what's best for him. He will make his decision based upon what's right. He's just. He's right. He's righteous. He's not going to just feather his own nest. He's not going to lie. He's not going to cheat. He's not going to steal. He's a just man. He's an honest, just man. He's right with God and he's right with others. He doesn't steal. He doesn't lie. He doesn't cheat. He doesn't, he doesn't take things, you know, uh, it doesn't skew things to make himself look good. He's not selfish. He's not arrogant. He's not prideful. He is a just man. Now that's coming from a household servant and a military attache that gets commanded all day long to do it my way. He's a just man. Boy, that's just a pretty good, you know, reason for me to know why God would choose him because he's just. Not only is he just, he said, he fears God. Whew, let me tell you. Please be the kind of person that's a little afraid of God. If you've lost your fear of God, you're stupid. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You, you haven't even begun to be wise yet if you don't have a fear of God. If there's not a healthy reverence of God in your life, like, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about a phrase going to give you a cancer or break your arm. I'm talking about that fear that you go, oh, I might have just pleased my daddy. Ooh, 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 I, did, I, I don't want to disappoint him. Ooh, you know, that reverential fear. If there's not a, don't go into business with somebody that doesn't fear God. Don't do it. Don't date somebody that doesn't fear God. That'd be crazy. Yeah, that, that's good stuff. Yeah, go ahead. 
Man, give me somebody around me that is afraid of God. Not afraid he's going to hurt him, but fears to displease him. There's a healthy reverence for God. When people hold God in his place, in the place of his glorification, he's omnipotent, he's, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, all-seeing. He is almighty God, sovereign. He is the creator of the universe. I am dust. He is God. Man, they said this is how our boss is. Our boss is a just man and he's afraid of God. Wow. Third thing they said about him, he has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. Now, here was a Roman soldier in charge of arresting Jews in a land that the Romans are occupying. They've conquered and they occupied. And he's in charge of, of, of keeping them in line, keeping them in check, arresting them, putting them in jail. And yet, he has a good reputation with all of those that he is having to police and all of those that he's having to corral. That's just a pretty good reputation. That you're just and that you fear God and you have a good reputation among people that you may have to say no to. And a fourth thing they said about him is that he acted on divine instructions. When God told him to do something, he did it. No wonder God chose Cornelius. God chose him because he was just. God chose him because he feared God. God chose him because he had a good reputation among all the people so that when Cornelius said, come on, all of you, come to my house, his friends and his family and, and all those around him came so that when Peter got there, they all got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues and prophesying, and then they were water baptized in the name of Jesus, and the church in Caesarea was birthed from a Gentile nation. Amazing. Why? Because this man had influence. How did he have influence? Because people knew that they could trust what he said. They knew he was just. They knew he was honest. They knew he feared God. They, had, they knew his reputation and they knew that if God told him to do something, he would follow orders. Amen. Wow. That's the kind of person I want to be. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And you don't you don't become that person because you get a promotion. You don't become that person because you win the lottery. You don't become that person because you finally get the right spouse. Ooh, that was a low blow, wasn't it? You are that person because that's who you are. You're not waiting on somebody else, somewhere else, to do something else in order to become the person that you need to be, a person that God can trust, a person that God can depend on. Romans 14, 18 says, For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. This morning, I want to encourage you to make a commitment to be a person who is just. A person who just, what is right is right, whether it favors me or not. 
You know, I'm, I'm going to stop championing some political opinion or some, some, some other opinion. I'm going to start championing God's opinion. I'm going to be just what is right. It's not about be just. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Even when nobody's looking. And if you have been, quit. You can. When nobody's looking, that's who you are. Stay off those porn sites. Stop smoking that weed. If you wouldn't want Jesus to come when you're doing it, you may not want to be doing it because he's coming. Boy, I got it calculated September 29th or 30th, if you want to know. I don't know the day nor the hour, but I do know the feast. And it's September 29th or 30th this year. Fear God. Love him so much that you don't want to disappoint him. Make a commitment today that you are going to guard your reputation, especially among people that, that you oversee, that you employ or supervise or some way are guardian over. And for goodness sake, be the kind of person that acts on divine instruction. Don't wait to get a better job to start being the kind of person you are. Your job, the job you have today is a blessing. It is a blessing from God. Now, if you happen to have a job today and you believe it is not a blessing from God, then please come after I dismiss. I will pray with you. I'll get Pastor Mike to pray with you. We will agree with you that this week you will be let go from that job. Any takers? Okay. Your job is a blessing from God today. Treat it like a blessing. Thank God for it. Work hard there. Don't wait till you're somewhere else doing something else for somebody else before you become faithful. The marriage you have is the marriage God wants you to work on today. Don't wait till you're with somebody else to be faithful and trusted. Trusted by God and trusted by others. We could go on and on and on, but you get the picture, right? Okay. Every day, ordinary life is the opportunity we have to impress God. And when we put God in the driver's seat, we see how big God is. Let's get out of the driver's seat. God doesn't use people that choose themselves. Put God in the driver's seat. And if all you have is a promise of heaven, that's enough to work for the rest of your life. Faithful, where you are, 
with what you have, doing the best you can.